HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network. With more than 30 weekly podcasts, HRN has something for every food lover. Learn more at heritageradionetwork.org. This episode is brought to you by Roberta's, home of Heritage Radio Network since 2009. Learn more about Roberta's at robertaspizza.com. Welcome to HRN on Tour at the 2023 Food and Wine Classic in Aspen. I am Christine Sykes-Lowe. And I'm Jennifer Bushman. And today we are joined by two people on their own paths in winemaking innovation. We have Erica Outlaw. She's one of the founders, co-founders of New Vibe Wines based in Louisville, Kentucky. We also have Michael Evans, CEO and co-founder of The Vines and The Vines of Mendoza. Welcome to both of you. Thank you. Thank you. So I'll start with you, Erica. Tell me, ladies first, New Vibe Wines, you have an origin story. Tell me about how it started. Yeah, absolutely. So New Vibe started uh, simply by happenstance, really. We were five uh, business entrepreneurs in different and respective industries in Louisville, Kentucky and Southern Indiana. And we started an accountability mastermind. And typically when I say accountability mastermind, people are like, well, what is that? Um, So we were not friends prior to this. We started a business group just to hold ourselves accountable for personal and professional goals that we wanted to set for ourselves. So the five of us got together, and this was pre-pandemic. And um, we, we had a few meetings, and it went very well. And then COVID hit. And during the pandemic, we continued to meet with both virtually and in person once we were allowed to. And we sat around the table one day and we all just said, hey, you know, we're bored and we're struggling in the businesses that we own or operate now. Not necessarily struggling, but just not not operating the way that we're used to operating. And we said, let's do something fun together. We're all very bright, intelligent, smart business women let's do something together so we sat around that table and we said well hey we all love wine let's get in the wine business at the time we had no idea what we were getting ourselves into so it was a bit of a learning curve (laughs) it was very much a learning curve and more so a learning curve when it came to compliance and regulations so we had no idea what we were getting ourselves into in regards to licensing 
So by the time the pandemic was actually over, we were ready uh, to go full steam ahead. Um, and what COVID taught us, if anything, is that it really eased up the regulations on shipping wine, uh, both domestically and internationally. So we, we launched with our brand merely as a DTC or direct-to-consumer brand. And we have only been operating for less than a year. So to be in the position that we're in, looking around at Aspen Food and Wine Classic and to be sitting here with HRN, it's mind-blowing. So that's how we started. Well, that's a great story. And I, and I love, um, everyone seems to have their own little pandemic, you know, uh, introspective moment, it seems like, because you're, you know, what are you going to do? And then that's the next next round of things to happen. Absolutely. Yeah. And what we really wanted to do when we started this was to, to everything was so negative. And we said, what can we do that's going to bring some positivity to the table? And so when we decided it was wine, that's why we came up with the name New Vibes, was because we were coming out of this pandemic and we wanted to instill new vibes in everyone's environment of, you know, how can we make this a positive experience to just celebrate every day? So not celebrating the big moments, the engagements, the showers, but celebrating the fact that it's a Tuesday, you survived another virtual work day, and you've got a bottle of Pinot in the fridge, you know? It's a win-win. Yes. So, Michael, your origin story. I, um, I went to Mendoza for what I thought was going to be a two-week vacation. That was 19 years ago. I basically never left. Um, I just fell in love with the the place, the people, the wines, um, and it just felt like Napa not 20 years ago, but probably 70 years ago. And um, in this weekend, I was like, you know, I just I love this place. I need to come back. So I started thinking about how I could come back. And I've always wanted to make wine, um, but in most parts of the world, it's a uh, overwhelming and expensive proposition in Mendoza that was not true. And so I was just going to buy 10 acres and, um, and come back each year for harvest and started talking to my friends back home. And they said, dude, if you're buying 10 acres, I am too. So light bulb went off. There's lots of people around the world who have this passion for wine and would love to make wine and own a vineyard without the huge costs of doing it in the U.S. or in, or in Europe, and, and it's it's not a it's not a new model. They've been farming as a collaborative in Burgundy for hundreds of years, um, and so we start up this um, this this opportunity for people to become small vineyard owners. Now we have now 20, 18 years later we have 306 owners from 18 countries around the world. We've got 900 acres planted, and we make 400 different wines with them each year. And the, the key is really that they get involved to make the decisions. The first year they come in and they don't know anything about making wine. They're passionate about wine. They like wine, but they don't know how to make wine. So the first year they might say, you know what, I like big, brawny Napa cabs. Make me one of those. But soon enough, over three or four years of making wines, they start saying, okay, well, I do like those big wines, so let's have a little extended hang time, harvest a little bit later. Let's get the bricks get a little bit higher. Let's do an extended maceration and go for a medium toast with a boots barrel. And so they're really are actually participating in making the wines and that's been the, the really special part of what we've done. Yeah, I wonder about that because there are things like Napa Valley Wine Reserve where you're basically just putting your own label on it, like a membership, kind of like a golf membership, right? When you belong to a club. How, how the, the breadth of expertise for someone that can invest in this plot has got to be varied. So how does that work when someone's coming into it to be able to really like engage with the community and then, and then progress like you've talked about? Yeah, that's really the what we focus on. I mean, for somebody who wants to have 
a fancy bottle of wine with a fancy label but not get involved in the making of it, we don't, um, we don't work with them. Um, we're really looking for people who want to make the wine and learn about it and learn over time. And it's a process. It's not easy to make a great wine. But over years, they become better and better, and they really do make the, the wine. And that makes the difference in the end when they bring their friends over for dinner and they're not just serving a wine that... Napa Valley Reserve. I mean, Harlan makes obviously amazing wines, but this wine they actually created themselves, and that's where the magic comes in. And, and, and is it one winemaker that's overseeing everything for each different plot, or how does that work from a production perspective? We have three winemakers that work with our team, plus a wine director that helps guide them through, because a lot of this is translating. Some people might think that their favorite wine per- profile is a big Napa cab, but when actually you do a blind tasting and they're li- trending way more towards Pinot or a GSM blend. And you have experiences rolled into this winemaking. So what can you tell us a little bit about that? I know you have some art experience, some, some culinary. Well, I think that wine in and of itself is just wine. Wine's a, 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 a venue, an opportunity to have experiences, whether it's a shared with friends or family um, or going to a beautiful place and tasting wines or having it with a great meal. And so in three years ago, we, we realized that as people love wine, we're always looking for the next wine or a different wine or the discovery is such an important part of this. So we took a small group of our owners to Montalcino and started making wine with other winemakers around the world. So in, we started in Montalcino with Casanova de Neri, 700-point wines. Giacomo Neri's amazing. And we took our members there, and we actually made Brunello, where they blended together five different of his single vineyard uh, wines into a Brunello. And, of co- course, 2016 was a five-star vintage. So now these folks all have their own wine made with Giacomo Neri that's custom and unique in the world with their own labels. And, of course, we couldn't take them to Italy without giving them showing a bit about Montalcino. So we go truffle hunting. We, you know, We'll go to the, the, the typical best restaurants, but you'll also get a pasta-making class from you know John's grandmother and that kind of stuff to give them an intimate experience. What we really strive for is experiences where people can go and have that are not just black card experiences. It's not a matter of how much money you have. No matter how much money you have, you're not going to have lunch with Antoine Billicar in his private dining room unless you know somebody, and we're that somebody. I love being able to create those unique experiences that people can't access without those relationships. This episode is brought to you by Roberta's, home of Heritage Radio Network. Roberta's was founded in Bushwick in 2008 and has become one of the most iconic restaurants in the country. HRN made its home inside of Roberta's in 2009, and together they have become part of the DIY fabric of the neighborhood. Roberta's is open for lunch and dinner seven days a week and serves much more than just the famous wood-fired pizzas. Their team dreams of new salads, pastas, and sandwiches on the regular. Roberta's Tiki Bar is alive and well in the back garden, serving up frozen drinks in the summer and hot toddies in the winter. Stop by the bakery and takeout spot next door for fresh breads, sticky buns, and pizzas to go. But Roberta's also extends beyond Bushwick with multiple locations in New York City, Long Island, and Los Angeles. You can also find their frozen pies in grocery stores around the country. The spirit of Roberta's, like Heritage Radio Network, is everywhere. Here's to many more years of pizza-powered radio. Learn more about Roberta's at robertaspizza.com. Eric, 
I'm really curious how that has felt being in a region that's not necessarily known for its wines or wine production um, and how that how that works. I mean, it just you're building community in a place where maybe bourbon was was the first thought. Absolutely. So we are in bourbon country there in Kentucky, and we recognize that. The unique thing about our business is, yes, we might be, we call Kentucky and Southern Indiana our headquarters. However, typically when people say Kentucky wine, you you kind of cringe a bit because it's that sweet strawberry blackberry wine that people are looking for. And so when we started this, one of our intentions was to source our wine from some of the greatest appellations that we could find. So we broker all of our juice from California, Oregon, and Washington with the hopes of eventually going internationally one day. So um, so we don't actually grow our own grapes. So we stand behind our vineyards. We partner with small farm wineries that we get to be selective on who we are choosing to bottle that product. Our tasting process is very vigorous. It's it's very um, involved. All five partners have to sign off and approve before we will we will purchase any of that juice. Um, but yes, it's it's definitely been an experience for all of us. And just like Michael said, you know, uh, going to Italy and having that is such a wonderful experience. And it is about the rooms that you're in and the connections and who you know. And for those that are in our small community of, of Kentucky and even regionally, um, they look at us as like industry experts because they might not be the ones that can actually go to Italy. So they trust our judgment in having a very valuable and, and, and high quality product arrive at their doorstep. So they might not be sitting, you know, on the on the cliffs of Italy enjoying a private tasting, but in that moment the small win for them is having it there and accessible. And we source it so thoughtfully that it's just, it's really unique what we're doing. Erica, you have a very interesting family background yes. in regard to the Thoroughbred Society. Can yes. you go in a little more detail on that? Absolutely. So um, my, outside of wine, my baby is the Louisville Thoroughbred Society, which is a private members-only social club in the heart of downtown Louisville. Um, it's pillared around thoroughbreds in the horse racing industry, bourbon, and cigars. Um, so it's a terrible combination, just like Michael said. Um, so it's a very unique situation, and we've really set the standard not only in our region but also in the country for what this private club does and what we offer our members. But one of the largest offerings that we have is our bourbon. So being a Kentucky girl, I have to give a shout out to the bourbon industry. Although I am in wine, I have a strong, strong appreciation for it. I grew up probably tasting bourbon before I could taste anything else, at least smelling, getting the tasting notes. I do like to think that or think that that's where my palate initiated. You know, that's where it came from. Um, and you, the, were, you were talking about a storage facility, though, in particular. You had the old and rare bourbon. Yes. Yes. So my father is a collector of bourbon, and he appreciates and understands the vintage side of bourbon, and not just the pappies, but a lot of the old family distilleries that are not even around to this day. So one of the unique things that we could do with the Louisville Thoroughbred Society was under our antique license, we could sell up to 20 bottles a year 
into the society to be able to offer our members. So we're able to pour pre-prohibition bourbons at the facility that people would never have an opportunity to try. So it's, Talk about it's a truly unique amazing. experience. Yeah, truly amazing. Michael, I'm going back to you. I um, was looking a little bit about your resort and your spa. How did that come about? How did that idea come to fruition? Well, as we grew our vineyard ownership, we ended up with about, a, we had about 150 members at the time. This was 12 years ago. And so we needed a place for them to stay because our vineyard's about an hour from Mendoza City. And um, so we said, all right, well, let's build a nice, modest resort. And as things happened, we got way carried away. And instead of building a nice, modest resort, we, bu- we built a five-star resort that's been ranked the 25th best hotel in the world, best hotel in South America, best hotel in Argentina, over and over again. So it's a really special place. It's small, 22 villas. Um, and again, it goes, it goes back to our philosophy overall. It's not just a nice place to stay. It's beautiful. And the views are incredible. But our, our chef is Francis Malman, who, of course, cooks everything over fires. Um, we get When people come there, we get them in the vineyard. If it's harvest time, they're picking grapes, they're sorting grapes, they're stomping on grapes. We get them into the mountains on horses. So it's a whole participatory thing where they're kind of understanding the same way I did. I went to Mendoza never within my wildest dreams that I think I would come back there. So sharing the special, the intimacy. I think that's the intimacy and getting to know winemakers and getting to know chefs and getting to know the farmers that are making these wines. That's what's really magical, I think. This this is your first time, both of you, attending the Food and Wine Classic. What are you most looking forward to? You know, I'm not even sure. As, as typically when I go to a, a wine region as well, I do very little research. I know there's going to be food and wine and beautiful surroundings, and it's, and it's going to be fantastic. And um, so I don't really have a whole lot of expectations other than it's going to be great. I, I snuck into the, the grand tasting now and, and in just five minutes had three great wines, one from Oregon, one from Paso, and, and one from Italy. And so I'm, I'm off to a good start. Free and loose is a plan. <laughs> Absolutely. I like it. I like it. How about you, Erica? Well, one, I'm offended that Michael did not bring me a glass of wine. <laughs> I have yet to hit the grand tasting, but for an expectations, I mean, this is just beyond my wildest dreams. I'm just so thankful to be here and so grateful. But for me in coming here, I'm, I'm a very intentional person and um, I, I'm an avid researcher. So, of course, I researched the hell out of what it took to come down to wardrobe. What do I need to pack? What do people wear? Um, so my main intention in coming here was the connections. I really wanted to come here and just walk away with some great connections in the industry, in hospitality, winemakers, trade experts, industry experts. That was the intention for me. And I mean, today's day one of the festival, literally just walked in. And even in just the pre-parties yesterday, this is the place for that. It's truly phenomenal. Everyone has been so welcoming and so friendly. I would say it really is one of the most special events that we have for food and wine in the United States. This is, of course, the 40th anniversary, so it's um, and it's one of the few that Food and Wine magazine actually runs themselves, and I think you can really feel that. Um, and people are so loyal to it, Christine. It's amazing. I'm 20 years. This is my 20th. My second, but um, I'm a fan. So anything on the horizon for each of you that you would like to share? 
For us and our wine brand, we are taking on four new varietals in the fall. So our fall allocation is expanding. We currently have six. We'll be enhancing it four additional varietals. One is a Malbec, which I'm really excited about. Um, but that is that is our biggest news to date um, and just really growing our club membership, our database, and getting those female-specific supporters that understand our brand and really truly believe in what we are trying to accomplish, which is we understand the demands that, that working women are under, and picking out a bottle of wine at the end of the day should be the least of their worries. So that is what we're, we're trying to, um, our message that we're trying to get across to these busy females and um, just delivering new vibes every day. New vibes and good vibes. Good vibes, absolutely. Michael, how about you? What do you have going on? That sounds on? fantastic. Um, so we're now making wine around the world, in starting in the States, in, in Oregon, in Willamette, Napa Valley, Paso, Mendoza, of course, and then over in Europe, in Priorat, Spain, in the Mosul. We've got a trip there right now going on in Mosul, Germany, making some Riesling. Next week, I'm going to Champagne to make some wine with Drapier. Then we head to Montalcino, back again with Casanova Neri. And um, so, and then this year, we're, we have new trips and new sites in, uh, in Piemonte. And next year, we'll add Sicily and uh, Advisor de Guadalupe. So we're traveling around the world and making wine with some pretty phenomenal winemakers. That sounds lovely. On you got to join level. us. You got to come along. Oh wow! That's the second invitation you've thrown my way. I might have to might have to take you up on this. Yeah, it sounds like an absolutely incredible model. Do you see more resorts in your future? Like as you're building this out, like you might be building out the empire to have groups come from Erica. There, you know, plan a trip down to Mendoza. It sounds amazing. Yeah, we're um, we're expanding the Mendoza. We now have 22 rooms, so we're adding a second restaurant and a meeting center, another 30 or 40 rooms. So we're expanding there. We're also in the process of um, constructing a hotel in Portugal in the, in the Douro Valley, and we're looking at Paso also. Basically, wine regions where there are not truly great accommodations, we're, we're working there. Congratulations. It's amazing. It's a lot of fun. Yeah. Congratulations to you both, and thank you both for your time um, and talents and insight. And uh, we wish you the best. It's exciting things happening. Thank you. This is super fun. Yes. Thank you so much for having us. Thank you for listening to HRN's live coverage of the 2023 Food and Wine Classic in Aspen. I'm Christine Sykeslow. Special thanks to my guest co-host, Jennifer Bushman. You can listen to all of our coverage on our podcast, Heritage Radio Network, on tour. Find it on heritageradionetwork.org or wherever you listen to podcasts. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. Keep in touch at heritageradionetwork.org slash subscribe. HRN On Tour is powered by Simplecast. This episode of HRN On Tour was produced in part by generous funding from the Julia Child Foundation.